welcome to the State of Sports Media Podcast from Sports and Society. This is Brad, and I just want to give you a quick heads up that we had some technical difficulties while recording today and lost some of our recording. Well, we do still have our breakdown of the athletic coming up, but we did miss out on what we've been paying attention to this past week and our chat about how busy the sports calendar is right now and how difficult it is to keep up with everything going on, as well as some interesting conversation about the health of folks that participate in professional athletes and how we athletics and how we feel about them long term and the enjoyment that we get from in some ways the desecration and and uh, deterioration of their bodies so uh, unfortunately we missed that we also missed some of the intro to our conversation about the athletic where we got into some of the stuff about their vc funding and kind of what they are so i did want to give you a quick overview here and just let you know that um the Athletic is a startup sports media publication really focused on enabling and encouraging folks to get back to the way they used to engage with sports. So it's a, essentially a, a new take and a, a website predominantly with a few podcasts added on that's focused on local uh, initiatives around sports. You know, we saw something from ESPN where they try to do ESPN Chicago and things like this a few years ago, and it wasn't quite as successful as they would hope, but they're really trying to lean into this with the athletic, and they're really trying to bring unique experiences around um, what it's like to be a fan in a particular community, and they really are strong in communities that do not have a ton of different outlets already so they're kind of taking the place of the local newspaper in a lot of places and in a lot of ways they're trying to force out those local newspapers they're offering their staff more money to come work for them and also poaching any of the real talent that they have but they've been able to poach some really quality talent and seem to be producing some really quality things um and they also seem to be financially in a really admirable position right now in terms of we don't know how much money they're making but they went through y combinator uh very um well-respected incubator and accelerator program, and they've raised over $65 million now through five rounds of uh, VC funding, which is very significant and means a lot of folks seem to believe in the model they're doing, which is uh, an interesting model because it's focused on uh, solely at this point um, subscription services. So they do not sell advertising, uh, and their only means of revenue at this point seems to be through uh, subscription sales so it's a different model leads to some very different experiences as to what we're having um, but uh, we have complicated feelings about it and we want to share that and so I'll jump right in now and we'll start into our grading rubric of what we think about the athletic thank you so much for listening and without further ado here's Kyle and I talking about it thanks Bye. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into how we've got the athletic rated here. What have you uh, got? What are you thinking about their quality of articles and stuff? So we have them at a 16, which is in the top category, albeit at the bottom of the top category. And I think part of it is connected with something we'll talk more about is that they hit their mark and that they seemingly know who they are and what they're going for. And they have poached a lot of these writers from – Journalist, journalism careers that have spanned decades. And so a lot of them are just really good at this form of writing. Uh, and then more than that, a lot of the writers that are covering the national stories similarly have been doing this for big outlets for a long time. So it's pretty high quality in my opinion, wouldn't you say? I would agree with all of that. I think it's a, uh, you know, they really do hit their mark. And as much as I think we'll poke some holes into some things that they're missing later on, um, they're very they're well written um, 
and I think it's they're they're getting what they need to do. And in terms of like just from a pure sports perspective, if all you care about is the you know learning about the sports in a particular game in a particular area, then I think it's a really well done way of doing that. I think the problems come in when we ask for more from them in some ways. Right. Yeah. They're they're not going to meet all our our high, lofty expectations. Although I'm not going to call them lofty. They're legit. I'm, not, I'm sorry I said that. That was insulting to both of us. <laughs> well, I think one thing we would poke some holes in is the diversity of voices. Uh, it's pretty rote, I think. Yeah, and you know, I think that's it'll be interesting to see. You know, uh, we mentioned that uh, that they have you know, you're not going there for new voices. And so they're really, it's a, even when you look at their main writers, it's a bunch of older white guys. Um, and they're all coming from the same background. They're all coming from fairly specific sports media backgrounds. And so, uh, there's really not a whole lot of different kind of stuff on there. I mean, the stuff that they've got are all good people, but there's not many different spaces you would go to find stuff. Yep. And it, 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 it's connected with, the lack of political engagement, I think, insofar as their aim is beat reporting. Uh, 95% of what they're about is tell me about my team in my location. And so in that way, we have them at a three on political yes, engagement. Yes. So 13 on diversity of voices out of 20 and three out of 20 on political engagement. Uh, it's not their aim. It's not what they're about. I think we should say you should be to some extent and that even beat reporting uh whether it acknowledges it about itself or not has a political angle to it and so in that way we would say yeah you're getting a three because you suck at this not because you're unwilling to do it it's 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 both for us yeah and i think it's you know I, there's an um a line i read about them that I think is very true in terms of there's not much that people are writing on the athletic that they couldn't write any other sports media place. Mm -hmm. um, they're not opening the door. You know, we talked with the ringer. One of the big nice things we had to say about the ringer last week is that they kind of trust their people to write about whatever's interesting and they may trust their folks at the Atlantic or the athletic, excuse me. I do not want yeah. to put these two in the same boat, but they, yeah. they may trust them, but they're not, they're not hiring people who are going to be pushing for different kinds of things. So like they talk, apparently one person at the athletic pushed back, like we wouldn't have been able to do this story about the warriors going to visit San Quentin prison. It's like, well, no, that's still just beat journalism. That's right. not, exactly. you're not pushing the envelope in that way. So, right. Um, yeah, the only envelope pushing, I think, what's becoming crystallized, and maybe to try and say it more succinctly, is that this is a platform, and what they are doing that is different and entrepreneurial is creating a space for this new platform to do an old thing, which mm -hmm. is to be journalism, right? Um, all that said, it's really enjoyable to visit. <laughs> Well, it, and that's like, you're not, you know, we mentioned when we were talking about the Guardian, you know, to get to the Guardian Sports, you either have to go directly to the, you know, the Guardian Sports page, or you have to scroll past these things about, you know, the horrific things happening in the world. There's none of that on the island. You go in, and it's just, it's niceness, and well, I would even go farther, that I was intrigued by their, um, their ink section, which is their, like, long form, I, the way I kind of took it stuff, and, um, all of it was feel-good journalism. There was yeah. nothing in there that was like, 
let's dig into the the troubles here. It was all like overcoming troubles or just good feeling stories in general, which I just found, yes, it's probably going to make everybody really happy, but it's also uh, decidedly unproductive in some ways. Right. So I thought of, when I was thinking about is this is this site enjoyable to visit? It reminded me of in college a friend and I that I played a lot of tennis with. We always really really wanted to play on clay courts, but there aren't <laughs> clay courts for public tennis. Mm. And so a friend of ours that had grown up in Birmingham where we went to school had belonged to a country club and gave us a tip on how to sneak into the country club. And so we would sneak in and play on their clay courts. And they were so freaking nice, man. And it was so fun playing on those clay courts uh, as compared to the public tennis courts down the street from us that had cracks that you could like really hurt yourself on. <laughs> um, and so I think it's, you know, it's, it's a frustrating reality, I think, in some ways that when you're paying for something like this, it, it can be cleaner. Uh, and so the CincinnatiInquirer.com just can't match what this is capable of. Mm. Um, and so in that way, it's, uh, we'll probably get more to this. Is it good for the world or not? I don't know, but we'll come back to that maybe. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little bit like a guilty pleasure in some ways. That, right, you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this is great. I don't have to look at ads and yeah. there's cool stories here. And it's the kind of writing that I grew up with. You right, know? exactly. There's a definite nostalgia to it in some ways. Yeah. yeah, I almost expected it to be box scores coming up on everything. I know. I was getting ready to say the same thing. <laughs> they nailed the sixty-year-old white man in both of us, uh, <laughs> which is really interesting. From a um, how big of a market is that perspective? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think that this can lead into the, our next one, which is the notoriety of the talent. And I think that part of the reason that um, they can live the way they are is because they are pulling some significant names. Um, right. You know, I spent a lot of time in the college basketball world and they have, you know, in Seth Davis, they've got one of the biggest names out there in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see more in some ways, like when they're transitioning from, you know, they put so much effort into this local stuff, what's going to happen with their, you know, you got Ken Rosenthal, who's a huge name too, right? Not necessarily mm-hmm. one that I've always paid attention to, but in his right. field. Um, and, you know, like that's a national level stuff. So when, how are they going to merge those two national and local levels in a way that's going to be uh, interesting and different? I, I'm intrigued to see. Yeah. David Aldridge, I would throw in that national mm-hmm. pull to Brian Kaminsky is a major name for NBA. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out of what they do with that uh, mixing. And I, I read in some critique um, about what they're trying to do in the UK and someone said, it's all well and good to try and poach the best writer from every news outlet in England, but who, which one of the 12 are you going to send to the Champions League final? Mm-hmm. Which is like, I, I like... I found the overall critique of what the athletic was doing by this particular person to be kind of thin, but that one point stuck with me. Of like, oh, that would be an interesting thing that you know could 
spell trouble down the road for him. Well, on the flip side, there could be some interesting stuff. You know, if you've got a beat reporter and a couple of national level folks sending them all Mm -hmm. there and and with the opportunity to collect different perspectives from that thing is potentially very powerful. I mean, I would have loved to see, you know, somebody that was, uh, that had, you know, a Liverpool beat writer and a Tottenham beat writers, both perspectives on Champions League and juxtapose those against each other in some ways. Well, and I think to go a little bit further with what you and I have always talked about, which is our value of locali- localism and how beat writing could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Right? There is a ton of potential there that if you're only writing to the part of me that is a 60-year-old white male... That means you're missing out on a major market and then something that could be very good for the world and very good for your local community. I think of the time I was in a bar here down the street and there was a group of folks uh, recording a podcast about Louisville FC, uh, the soccer team here, and uh, just how good that was. And like, I don't know their podcast was life-changing but I was like, this is what it's about. And uh, it was a really diverse group of people, and their conversa- conversation was really far-ranging. I was like, this is the kind of stuff that, when honed and when professionalized, could be really powerful. And so the athletic, I wonder if they could ever make that transition to being something cooler on top of their model. Well, that's like, in some ways, you know, it raises these questions of, you know, they've got so much invested in their their capital raising and all that stuff at the moment, what's going to happen when they get to a place where they feel stable and can take a risk by hiring, you know, folks that are off the beaten path or hiring folks that are different. And I think there's also an incredible opportunity. I don't know if this is something we'll ever see, but to, you know, those beat writers have always wanted to move up. So if like, if you're the beat writer in Cincinnati, you want to become the beat writer in New York, or if you want to move on to ESPN or whatever. And, you know, right. with, if you have enough capital, theoretically, you can make being a beat writer uh, a sexy enough job that it's something that you find folks willing to do for 15 years and be really creative and interesting and not feel the need to try and move on to something else um, right. at some point, which could be interesting. But it could. Uh, who knows? I don't, yeah. I'm not particularly hopeful in some ways. But Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine they've got a 10-year plan that would probably intrigue us even a little bit more if mm-hmm. we could see it, you know, I bet we would be like, oh, yeah, okay. I can imagine that happening, which maybe frustrates me a little bit. But <laughs> uh, at any rate, they, uh, they've they nailed the advertising thing because yeah. there aren't any. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing yeah. how enjoyable it is to go to a website nowadays and not have any ads come up. Yep. <laughs> it really is. It's a weird experience. It feels weird. Uh, but it's wonderful. Yes. It yeah, does, we don't... Go ahead. Well, I just... I can't help but think that that's a short-term thing. Um, I, I hate to be this person that's going to be negative on all this stuff, but I have to believe that five years from now, if the Athletic is still going, there will be ads on their site. They may be much fewer, but I think there will be ads on their site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of these things that are subscription-based turn out to be too good to be true right um i mean well, i'm sure every turn single into thing a, yeah a mixture component like exactly you you realize that as a company you're like okay we're now making 30 million dollars a year off of this yada 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 
but we could be making forty million if we include just a little bit of advertising, right. and it won't mess exactly. with the experience too much. And right. it's real easy. I mean, and so and let's be clear here: with these kind of companies, um, as with everything that's going through Y Combinator right now, one of the things they'll be talking to them about is exit plan. So I guarantee you that these folks, uh, and I forget their names that founded this, that they're looking at a a five to ten year plan where they have sold in f- about seven years and made you know many millions of dollars and whoever buys them out is going to be different uh and that would be more than likely when we see ads come in if not before them exactly it's not like the guys that started this like are putting their their heart and soul in the mission of the athletic right they saw they saw a market opportunity and jumped on it uh, and so when there's a better one, they're going to jump on it. Well, I think that's where part of our problem comes in with this. And we can talk, this goes back to some of the other stuff, but with the political engagement, the lack thereof, and some of the other stuff, that I, I think that one of the real problems that I have with them is that there doesn't feel like there's an editorial voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they're just, uh, you know, as much as we kind of ragged on the ringer last week for being a little too light-handed and not pushing on things, that the... The athletic is like seems to have a very strict policy. We don't want to offend anyone, so we're just going to talk about sports. Um, exactly. I had the question of what their all top brass editorial board looks like, and the stories they're saying no to mm-hmm. would be really fascinating to find out about. And you have to think right that as the athletic continues to grow, their problems are going to come with them. And they're going to have some disgruntled writers that are going to leave the athletic and tell stories about things that are going on there. And they're going to have inner bureaucratic battles that are already happening. We just don't know about them mm-hmm. yet. And so all the they've got trouble down the road. And so it will be fascinating to, to see how that plays out. Um, well, it's kind of like, you know, there were I found two articles on in my and I didn't do it as in-depth as I might have done otherwise. But there were two things that sprang up to me that I, when I was looking, I spent 30 minutes looking for something contentious on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two things that were potentially so was one on mental health and college athletes, one of the video pieces that they did, mm-hmm. which I give them some credit for, but it's also not necessarily the front line of these things at the moment, right. particularly yeah. not when you're involving Dabo Sweeney, who – Good grief. Um, anyway. And it was, it was like a puff piece for Dabo yeah. Sweeney. Yeah. It was like, tell us how awesome you're doing. Yeah. And didn't push back on any of his methods or ideas for handling it, which were all very kind of pathetic in my opinion. <laughs> At any rate, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but then the other one was about the difference between Ada Hagenberg and the U.S. women's national team versions of protest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very bland but also vaguely read to me as a like people are unsettled by when you quit playing and so keep playing type rhetoric which Mm -hmm. is just i don't know if that's what was intended but it certainly was not written with a any kind of perspective on how this should be dealt with it was a it felt very uncomfortable in the space of all the articles that were around it as well so right uh, there just isn't much there in that field right do you maybe want to kind of like we've, we're talking around these last three? Um, I kind of want to put some put some numbers by it and kind of draw some conclusions. I think is where I'm being led. 
Yeah, well, and real quick before we get to that, let's just say that in terms of coverage of non-mainstream sports, they're absolutely abysmal. We have them at a two. Right. Um, I think this is largely because they know where they're, as we've said, they're market-driven, um, and they know where their market is, and they're going to invest their money there first. So um, it'll be intriguing to see what happens as they try and grow that market with more niche stuff moving forward. But for right now, pretty pretty terrible. Right. But yeah, why don't you, where do you want to go first with this kind of discussion? Well, so I thought sustainability, we have them at a 15. Mm-hmm. Social capital, 8. And ownership responsibility, 12. And so for me, especially with the athletic, these three all kind of seem connected with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so do I think the last... Um, I, I My first thought was... Uh, they're seemingly doing great. They're growing like crazy and they're raising tons of money. So maybe uh, that they are seemingly gathering a group of business people that are nothing but mercenaries <laughs> makes me think that they've got something and mercenaries are good at business. And so they're probably going to keep doing that, um, which then knocks them for ownership responsibility and are they good for society? So if they're just doing beat journalism and you know literally the beat just goes on uh i that's only bad to me <laughs> we've got this marketed uh sports journalism that is nothing because it is purposefully nothing and in that way it's being backed by these venture capitalist mercenaries then no this isn't good albeit pleasant because they don't have ads so i don't where are you on that? Like, I mean, yeah, I kind of fall in the same space, and I guess I, um, um, I, I'm right there with you in terms of they're raising all this money from smart business people, and so whatever numbers they have that they're not sharing in terms of profitability and revenue and all that stuff, tell me that this is a solid business model, and they're going to be around for a long time, and they're going to be bought out by one of the major players in the next in the next ten years. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if ESPN buys them out as a subsidiary type thing and at some mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah. And I do think all of this would in some way be benefited. Like, I feel like if they had a mission statement that we could find that was, we want to make sure that local communities have access to news about their right. their teams, that we would be all over that. That'd be amazing. But when we see them saying, we're going to tear down existing organizations to build a new organization to do that that's where we're like wait a minute that means this is has nothing to do with the actual supporting of those local communities and teams and everything to do with how do we make money off of that right they're literally exploiting something that we value Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) and bastardizing it to a certain extent but they would come back with and say well the product still exists And we would come back with, well, what did we lose along the way by allowing you to control the product Mm -hmm. and be the source of the platform? And I think that's where we would find our ultimate divide from these dudes that are out to make money. And when you look into these venture capital firms and who's running them, it's, uh, I didn't find a woman. And I only found two people with non-white skin. Um, So... Yeah, I, in that way, I'm that like. <laughs> I originally had like an eleven for are they good for the world? Like ah, sports are fun and 
a place for people to still read their local journalism without advertisements. Those are all good things. And then when I looked into that, I was like, no, fuck that. These guys suck. <laughs> I was like, they've created a, a country club that's exploiting the same thing that most of these massive corporate outlets are, are doing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised actually if something like Amazon bought them. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, like, as the landscape continues to change, that they're aiming higher than ESPN, that they're that much of like that arrogant disruptor type that yeah. says, no, we're bigger than you. Hmm. Um, well, it's also, I think, you know, there is something there in terms of like if we do, if we strip away a lot of our feelings about venture capital and some of those kind of things that you know in some ways it's a reversion to an old model where we're being asked to pay for our sports media i think the problem mm-hmm. is in some ways that it's it's so bland and that what we had with people before is that the newspapers served a very real focus beyond just bringing us sports and mm-hmm. so i think we've stripped away all that other stuff and yet there's still a great space that if they were willing to get into some right. of the social issues around this if they were willing to do like a players tribune thing and have uh you know stories and really dig into the players perspective and things like that and give us something new i think right. we could see some real value here but it feels like a very um uh, a very underhanded ploy in some ways right. to just to just take advantage of uh, of a particular market, right? And they may well do that, right? Like mm-hmm. there's nothing that says they won't completely not do it, right? Like they they still might a little bit. Well, that's where I would look at something like I think Amazon taking them over would be a huge opportunity. A that like there could be some really fascinating. Uh, video content that comes out of that with ESPN or with Amazon's background in that. And also um, Amazon's willing to take risks then that they're not willing to take right now because they don't know who they're, what investor or potential buyer they're going to alienate right now. And if Amazon is there, they're willing, have shown a propensity and willingness to kind of push the envelope on some of that content creation stuff. So I could see that being a really powerful move and something that we really support, even though yeah. that feels weird to say in some ways. But yeah, yeah, mm, it's getting more and more complex. <laughs> it is indeed. It is. It's not a really easy place to put the rage <laughs> or the like. The things we like. Well, I think you 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 find out that. You know, for everything that we like, and you know, I think this is part of goes back to what we started this podcast with a long time ago. It's just, um, you know, we love sports, and yet we're deeply uncomfortable with it in some ways. Right. Uh, and so, when we see someone who's just willing to dive into the sports without diving into the discomfort and the complexity of it, it's uh, it's something that we struggle with. Yeah, our our signals start going off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does what was the total? One twenty three. So where puts, does that put them? That puts them a little higher than Sports Illustrated, which came in at one twenty, uh, and then we got the Ringer at one thirty four and ESPN at one thirty seven. So right in that mix, which I think is you know speaks well to their ability to do what they're trying to do. If we grade them in the same right. range as these major players, um, right? So. Um, it would perhaps, though, suggest that they're not quite as disruptive as they think they are. Right. 
Yeah, right. So they're low, very low on political engagement, very low on coverage and on mainstream, yet are still pretty close to the major players, which, like you said, it means they're doing what they want to do very well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's also, uh, you know, we've been negative this last little bit, but I think we should be clear that this is, uh, again, that we just see there's potential for this. And as a young three-year-old company, there's all the potential in the world for them to change and be something different. Right. moving forward and so right. um, we would hope that that nimbleness is, turns into a positive at some point yeah well anything else in that in that vein I don't think so well I will say one more thing I'm looking through my notes here that I did want to note um, uh, their WNBA coverage is second to none um, yeah I did notice that Yeah, which I I mean it's a tab on their top bar which is just phenomenal so really happy to see that um and then one other thing just that you know we mentioned earlier that they've raised 67 million which a lot of folks will say is puts them in a different category than bleacher report and sb nation which both raised about in the the 15 20 million dollar range but we're talking about a difference of 10 years in which the vc world and startup world has changed dramatically so i'll be intrigued when we look at those other places yeah, uh, to see uh, the same because I think that in some ways they were that's the same story, uh, and how they've played out over time could be informative as to how the athletic will will look right. in the future. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, but anyway, uh, are you going to keep your athletic subscription? Uh, so I have a one year subscription. Um, so I'll I'll ride out this year and see what happens. I'll keep okay. you I'll keep you up to date on if they actually start writing stories that matter. Well, I'm intrigued to know where it fits into your normal portfolio. Like once we're done with this week, right? How often will you be going to visit and things like that? Right. Well, I also wonder as someone who is as loves their loves the Reds, is that something mm-hmm. that you're going to find that you love going for Reds coverage or? Uh, is that something you just don't enjoy as much anymore? Uh, I'm actually considering it as like maybe this could be an outlet that got me back into reading about the Reds a little bit Hmm. Um, because I've stopped reading about them partly because going to websites to get the information on the Reds is so annoying Um, and the Reds have sucked now for so long. So yeah, we'll see if it could be something that brought me back a little bit. Well, what are you going to be paying attention to this week? Um, a bunch of stuff because it's all happening. Uh, yeah, U.S. Open today for sure. But then also I think among amongst other things, what stands out the most is to see how the U.S. women's national team does on Thursday against mm-hmm. Sweden. So with the 13-0 victory with Thailand, I feel like the questions that come up are, are the U.S. really that good or was Thailand that bad? Uh, and we won't know until they play another couple times. So they play today at 12 against Chile, which I don't think should be too much trouble, although Chile looked pretty good last time I saw them. Uh, and then the real first test of the World Cup will be against Sweden on Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see how they do then. Hmm. Well, it is, you know, I'm. Uh, did you have feelings to the reaction to that game in any way? I'm intrigued to know. Uh, what your reaction was when you saw the scoreline and everything and uh, what you think about it, looking at how people have responded to it. Uh, I kind of think people that are upset about it don't know much about soccer. Um, uh, And, 
you know, it, it, it looks really weird. There are, you don't see 13 that often. So I, I think like someone being like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, it's also like they didn't do anything morally or ethically wrong. Um, anyone that knows anything about Thai soccer knows that like the fans were like just thrilled to be there. And you can read it in my opinion as like it's really phenomenal that women's soccer has grown such that the – uh, Thai women's team can make it to the World Cup, um, so I I didn't see anything wrong with it, and I actually thought our team handled themselves really well. Um, I, it never felt silly to me, even at that score. No, like watching the game, it wasn't like they were playing a different, like they were pressing super hard in those last minutes to get extra goals. It was just like right. you know the they time, were just playing soccer. Yeah, yeah. Which so, I find to be the most classy way to do it in something like that. I was really appreciative of, uh, I think it was Alex Morgan, say that it would have been disrespectful for them to take it easy at the end. Exactly, yeah. Um, no, you just keep playing. I mean, yeah, I think about, you know, when I uh, beat my buddy Bobby for three straight hours at table tennis and finally let him win, and he has never forgiven me for that, even though I right. just wanted to leave the damn table. And yet he is <laughs> viewed as a personal slight for the last 20 years. Yeah. There's, there's no, it's not an ideal situation to be in, but giving up or handing something to someone is not the way out. No. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Well, like I'm... Uh, you know, I'm still totally in on the Cricket World Cup right now. I don't know what it is, but it's been captivating me yeah. pretty immensely. Um, but I'm also intrigued. I I find myself in a really weird place where I find myself more interested in the stories around the NBA than I am in the play that was in the finals. And I'm intrigued to see whether that interest for me will carry over over the next couple of weeks. So I kind of I didn't watch much of the finals at all. Um, and just kind of tuned out, but I am intrigued like this AD thing. I want to, I want to dig into it a little bit more and I'm excited to see what those draft picks turn out to be. They've, the NBA has really captured me in that way. And I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see whether they can kind of keep that up now that we're outside of the season. You know, I had the thought that it's becoming a lot like WWE. Mm. As a, right? Like the, the drama that surrounds it is just as fascinating as the games. But it's not totally – there's a lot of different ways you can go with that, including um, that Adam Silver is a very public uh, commissioner and, this, you know, not getting in fights on the air with his people like Mr. Vince might do. But, right. um, you know, like he's on the air talking about things that I'm not sure we would ever expect to see a commissioner of a major sports league talk about yep. in public. I mean, talking about right. adding an FA Cup-like tournament without having clarity on what that's going to look like. It's yep. a massive thing to do yep. without, uh, you know, it's like kind yep. of shocking when you hear somebody willing to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, I suppose we'll wrap it up there, but uh, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to this, and we'll look forward to being back with you next week. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, man.